Welcome to the Two Journeys podcast. This is part one of episode 41 in the book of John, entitled, It Is Finished, where we discuss John chapter 19, verses 28 through 42. I'm Wes Treadway, and I'm here with Pastor Andy Davis. Andy, what are we going to see in these verses today? Well, this is the account of the death of Jesus and the incredible significance of the death, the fulfillment of the very thing that God had said to Adam, uh, that the wages of sin is death. He said, if you eat from that tree, you will surely die. And so the link between sin and death has been made from the beginning of redemptive history. And now here, Jesus is paying the death penalty for the sins of all his people. And it's just an amazing account, the way that John writes it in such a way, John writes this account in such a way to produce the faith in the death and the resurrection of Jesus that's necessary for the salvation of our souls. And so it's just a marvelous account of the death of Jesus. So we're going to walk through that today. Well, so that we have a sense of where we are in chapter 19, I'm going to read from verse 28 to the end of the chapter. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Andy, how does verse 28 help prove the deity of Christ? And what does it mean that he knew all was finished? Yeah, well, that's really an amazing statement. Um, you know, we talked last time about the uh, soldiers gambling for the clothes so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Mm -hmm. So in this very passage we're going to study today, you're going to see a mingling of two different um, a sense of intentionality about fulfilling scripture. The soldiers had no idea about the scripture and fulfilled it. Jesus knew exactly what the scripture said and fulfilled it. So God is at the higher level. He actually is following a checklist, a sequential checklist. First this, then this, then this. The sequence means everything. I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. There's a sequence. And so clearly, I mean, it's just logically obvious that certain things have to happen before Jesus dies because once he's dead, they can't happen. And so there were still a few things as yet left unfinished. And mm -hmm. so Jesus knew that everything but these things, these few things, 
still had to be done. And it just shows supernatural knowledge, yeah. the, just the ability. And, and we've seen it earlier back in John 13. Jesus knew that he had come from the Father and they had come from God, was going back to God. He knew all things that would happen to him. It multi John again and again says this, this testimony to the supernatural knowledge of Jesus. We get it in other gospel accounts too. Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked them, et cetera. So supernatural knowledge. So Jesus has a comprehensive knowledge of what's happening, but also mm -hmm. of scripture yeah. and a commitment to fulfill all the scriptures concerning himself. Yeah. How did Jesus thirst fulfill scripture? Well, uh, the scripture testifies in Psalm 68, they gave him uh, vinegar or, you know, they gave him hyssop uh, or uh, gall on hyssop to, uh, to drink. And so that is Psalm 68, it's a, f a prophecy. And so just the idea of drinking this, they gave me this for my food, yeah. uh, is fulfilled. But the fact that the jar of wine vinegar was right there at the foot of the cross, how did that happen? Yeah. And again, you just see people doing things inadvertently, unwillingly, unwittingly, no, knowing that, not knowing that there was scripture that they were fulfilling. So maybe some woman or some person, I have no idea puts that jar down there. And so they fill a sponge with the wine vinegar and they mm -hmm. put it to his uh, lips. And he, um, you know, but it all comes from the statement, I am thirsty or I thirst. Yeah. Is there any significance to the detail as well? It talks about the mm -hmm. way it's delivered to Jesus yeah. and the different articles that are used here. It's, yes. And again, so many of these little, little details are just indicators of the, the breadth and depth mm. and detail of God's plan. So we're talking about the hyssop plant. Yeah. And so the hyssop plant was used to paint the blood of the first Passover lamb on the doorposts and lintels of the Jews in Egypt, the night, the night of the Exodus. And so the blood of the lamb was shed and the hyssop plant was dipped into the bowl of blood and it was used to apply um, the blood. It was like a paintbrush. It was a, a you know, kind of a brushy plant. Now it's not used in that function here, but it just happens to be there. Same thing with the crown of thorns. They just happen to be there, a tremendously significant symbol. Mm. He's wearing the curse on his head. So here it's just so many symbols of him as the fulfillment of the Passover lamb are right there. Now, not only did Jesus know that all things were finished, he mm -hmm. actually says it is finished in this mm -hmm. passage. What does Jesus mean by it is finished? Well, the full theological significance of this, it's just quite remarkable. And I think no book in the Bible so clearly unfolds the significance of this moment as the book of Hebrews, um, as the author of Hebrews makes it plain that Jesus died once for all. So this once for all atoning work, it is complete, it is finished, it is perfect. The Greek word tetelestai is mm. uh, you know, a sense, maybe even an accounting term in which the debt has been paid in full. What I've been told, it was stamped on an accounting book. When, when the debt was paid, it was paid in full. So with the payment of the blood of the infinite Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, the God-man, all of the atonement necessary for all of the elect, past, present, and future, in every tribe, language, people, and nation, all of their atonement is found in this one, mm. this one offering, this one day. As it says in Zechariah, the sin of the land will be atoned for in a single day, really in a single moment. So when he says it is finished, all of the atoning work has been done. Now it's so significant, it's so important for us as sinners because as we're in the journey of sanctification, we're gonna to continue to be convicted of our sins. We're gonna to continue to sin. We wish we wouldn't, but we do. But it says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. 
and that we're just, just to forgive. It is right for Almighty God, God the Father, to forgive us because it is finished, because the full atonement has been made. No, no new work needs to be done. So when we sin and feel guilty and do wrong things, we don't go off and do good works to pay for it. No, the good work has been done once for all. It is finished. Yeah. So, so much significance here. So not just a possible or a potential atonement, but actual atonement for sin. Yeah, and I, I want to say it's complex because the atonement has to be effected and then applied. Mm. So we talked about the hyssop plant you know, a moment ago. The painting of the blood, it wasn't enough that the blood of the Passover lamb be shed. It had to be applied. It had to be painted. And so I'm not in any way saying the hyssop plant here is that application. No, we know that the application of the blood is spiritual. Mm -hmm. We don't actually interact with the physical blood of Jesus. The application is made to us spiritually, spiritually by the third person of the Trinity in the hearing of the gospel. So as we hear and believe, the Spirit works repentance and faith in us and the blood is applied. Mm -hmm. And we're not saved until it happens. Our sins are not atoned for until that happens. So in some sense, it's a potential atonement. But in some sense, it's actual because I believe, and this is str strongly taught in, in the Calvinistic soteriology, but I believe everything is wrapped up in the blood of Jesus. In other words, our repentance and faith, which was as yet future, was paid for by the blood of Jesus. So it's all part of the package. Mm. It's all part of what he won for us that day. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like, this is a, a, I don't mean it to be disrespectful, but I, I think it gets the point across. It's kind of like getting one of those toys, like a, 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 a radio controlled car or something like that on Christmas day, but there's no batteries included and it doesn't work. Mm. And, you know, I remember years ago, back before manufacturers knew to put in some really, really low-level, cheap alkaline batteries <laughs> on the shelf for a while. Yeah, yeah, just get you through no Christmas morning, all right? And, you know, and then you go buy some good ones. But, you know, batteries included became a selling point. Well, here's the thing. The batteries make the car work, but the batteries are just batteries. The car is the car, all the technology, all of that, but you still need the batteries to work. Mm. So what I'm going to say is the atoning blood of Jesus is absolutely sufficient for our sins, but it has to be applied by the Holy Spirit and the application of the blood, the repentance and faith that we contribute in that some sense is part of the package. It's included in the atoning work. Hmm. That's a helpful clarification. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Now, how does the actual moment of Jesus' death help prove his earlier statement in John 10, 17 and 18? Yeah, John uh, 10, he says, no one takes my life from me but I lay it down of myself or of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it back up again. In other words, if you really think about what Jesus is saying there is no human being can kill me. Yeah. It's impossible for you to kill me. So what he's saying is to some degree, just as a normal man, crucifixion killed him. But if he, as the God-man, didn't want crucifixion to kill him, he could have been on the cross forever if he wanted to. He can do anything. He can walk on water. He can do anything. So in one sense, it's cause and effect. In another sense, it's not. So even a lance shoved up into his heart, if he in instantly healed Malchus's ear and gave him a new ear, he could instantly, as soon as you withdrew the lance, heal his own heart. You can lance him forever and he would not die. So here's the thing. He's just God. If he doesn't want to die, he doesn't die. He can't be killed. But we still have to take at the physical level, the crucifixion did kill him. But keep in mind, Pontius Pilate was surprised that Jesus had died so soon. Hmm. So it really shouldn't have killed him yet. 
So what does it mean? Jesus bowed his head and gave up his spirit, it says in another account. So he just dies. Or it says it here in this account, sorry. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So he just gave up the immaterial part of him, what we would call the, the spirit or soul, and it left the body. That's almost the theological definition of death, separation of the soul from the body. Hmm. But he gave it up. He just chose to die. And so it's just, we can't do that. We can't just close our eyes and say, I will now die and then die. We don't have that kind of power. Jesus is unique. He's unique in all of history. No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of myself. This is him laying down his life. Wow. wow. And the timing is vital because we're going to see this in a minute. If he had waited a little bit longer, they would have broken his legs. So everything's down, it's choreographed, et cetera. But Jesus is in control and he'll die when he wants to die. Yeah. And not before. And knowing that the scriptures must be fulfilled. Yeah. Not just in the the big, massive things, mm -hmm. but also in the specific details, the details of his death. Exactly. So speaking of details, why does John talk about the day of preparation in verse 31? It seems like a detail about the time, what's happening here. Right. Well, first of all, he answers right in the text. It's going to it's going to move it move the the pace up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Ordinarily, mm -hmm. they would have left him on the cross for hours. I mean, they're, they're not they trying to be yeah. Die. They're not trying to be nice guys. And crucifixion was meant to be a torturous death. And therefore, there's some records of some of these people being on the cross for a couple of days. Um, but and John doesn't tell us, but this is the Passover, and so Jesus is the fulfillment of the Passover and. Their day begins with the sundown the day before. So there was evening and there was morning. There's that sense of it starts with the sundown. So they need to get them off the cross before the sun goes down so they can be buried. They didn't want them left on the cross overnight because no Jews could do the work. They couldn't do the burial. And so the family was there to do the burial. It's like, we need to get this thing done. Mm -hmm. And so um, it, there's a practical side to it because it, it really accelerates the timetable. But there's also the reminder that Jesus is just like with the hyssop and um, you know, like, like the, uh, the other symbols that we've seen, like carrying his own um, cross and the thorns and all that. Passover is a massive typological symbol of Jesus or prophecy of Jesus. The, the slaughter of the Passover lamb, mm took away the death penalty for the Jews. And so uh, it is the Passover, and so Jesus is dying as the final Passover lamb. But there's a practical side too, it moves up the timetable. Yeah, so that would have been the sense of urgency that led the Jews to ask for the yes. breaking of the bones. And Jesus giving up his spirit when he did. He yeah. didn't wait, and he can't wait a little bit longer. It's yeah. just exactly timed out. Well, Andy, that's all we have time for today. But we would invite you to join us next time for part two of episode 41, where we conclude our discussion of John chapter 19, verses 28 through 42. Thank you for listening to the Two Journeys podcast, and may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Thank you for listening to this resource from twojourneys.org. Feel free to use and share this content to spread the knowledge of God and build his kingdom. Only we ask that you do so for non-commercial purposes and in accordance with the copyright policy found at twojourneys.org. Two Journeys exists to help Christians make progress in the two journeys of the Christian life, the internal journey of sanctification and the external journey of gospel advancement. We do this by exporting biblical teaching for the good of Christ's church and for the glory of God.